it's really, really hard that, you know, when you got just one more, you know, article to write or just one more project to get through, um, to really pull back and say, I need to be paying attention to my partner. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discussed how to start a business while keeping your marriage strong and navigating some of the pitfalls that go along with it. Stay tuned. Are you signed up for our free newsletter? Wait, you thought I was going to talk about the wine club again. Nope, not this week, as much as I love it. This week, I want you to visit hitchmag.com and click the newsletter navigation link. There, you can share your email address, and we will give you all of the week's great content delivered to your inbox, including the most recent podcast. It's the easiest way to be proactive in your marriage. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the newsletter link. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. So Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She has a new uh, program out. It's uh, audio video tools called Pillars for Partnership. And you can get that information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And, you know, this probably strikes a little bit of a chord at home, Karen. I I mean, I know this does for me, today's topic, uh, because you run your own practice. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about protecting your marriage uh, when you're starting a business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, a lot of couples uh, or individuals in relationships started their own businesses or are at least thinking about it, particularly in the wake of the economic slump that we have experienced uh, recently, as well as uh, low wages. People get frustrated that they aren't in control of, you know, working hard and climbing the ladder themselves. Uh, And so, you know, I wanted to like kind of tackle this topic a little bit because I know what it takes and how much work goes into it. And so I, I also did a little bit of a bit of research, so I should throw this out there. Uh, in my past life, I was an editor at Entrepreneur Magazine, and I have written for Business Week and Bloomberg, and so I have a very deep-rooted um, business entrepreneurship uh, journalistic background. So uh, this this is really something close to home for me here. Um, so I did a little uh, research, and I just wanted to give a couple numbers here. To kind of put this all in perspective, and I'm not going to go on and on, but uh, according to the latest census data that I could find, uh, which goes uh, back to 2012, uh, small businesses created 2.1 million uh, net new jobs, uh, which was the – and the largest portion of those net new jobs were for businesses with just one to four employees. So – I think that's talking about who we are discussing here, where you start off with one person yourself, and then hopefully, depending on what the business is, start to grow from there. Um, You know, when you do something like this, Karen, we inevitably know that means longer hours because you have a lot of stuff to set up and work out and figure out. Um, When you know you're going to have to give up a lot of time for this type of an endeavor, what can you do to protect your marriage? 
Well, I think the first thing is that you really have to sit down as a couple to discuss, you know, is this something that you're both on board with? Now, aside from me having my own business, what you don't know is that at the beginning of my marriage, my husband uh, also decided to, um, in addition to his teaching career, uh, become a partner in a restaurant deli. And so we've had to have this discussion twice. <laughs> and and it's a hard discussion because on the one hand, um, you want to really be encouraging your mate and give them the support because back then I remember thinking that this was not a good decision for us, but that if I didn't support him, it would be something he would regret not having tried. And it would probably end up being something that he would resent me for not having had this opportunity. And I know when, aside from my psychology practice, as you all know, I attempted to be, be entrepreneurial over the last several years. I've recently given that up. And so I was really not available for many, many hours. Um, and again, you know, we had the same discussion, but at this point it was me not being available. And so he supported me as well. But you're right. It is many, many hours that you are going to take away from your marriage. And so it has to start with a discussion about, okay, what is it going to look like? And, you know, what are the benefits to it? What are the risks involved as far as time? And, and can you support me? Um, and, and it's hard because probably you don't even realize how much time you're really going to be investing. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely 1000% agree the conversation has to be there. Um, and th I mean, that's very interesting about the resentment aspect coming into play because you do, I mean, we talk about it all the time about how you should be the cheerleader for your spouse. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that you want with marriages to grow together and fulfill these dreams. And if you know your spouse has this dream of doing something, um, you do want to be supportive. But I also think you also have to know your spouse's personality a little bit mm -hmm. because you have to know, is this, because I do know a lot of people who have all talked about uh, pretty much. I don't know a single person that hasn't talked about starting their own business of some shape or, or form. Um, and there are those who talk about it. There are those who do it. Those are those who start to do it and then quickly realize that it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, there are those who do it and succeed, those who do it and fail. So I think it's important to know like what type of personality your spouse has. Mm -hmm. um, and then if I may also offer another suggestion, I think particularly in this very beginning stage, it would be a good practice for your spouse to put together some sort of business plan um, because it within the business plan, you create timelines of right. when you want to achieve certain goals. And when we're talking about giving up X amount of time, you can see a lot of that stuff lay out. And you, know, you made the point that you don't know how much work it is a lot of times until you get into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are certain things you can take into account for, like, you know, there are certain things that you're going to hopefully only have to do once, maybe find office space or buy certain equipment or do these things. And there's right. going to be research that needs to go into it, but you can, you can plan that stuff out. So 
I think the other aspect of having your spouse create this business plan and being supportive of that is it it's the first test of like their commitment to this idea. Because if they can't put together the business plan, they're probably not going to be able to stick out everything else that's going to be involved in the future. I, I think that that's a very good point. I think also that by having this business plan, it helps to create some structure and gives both partners some sense of control over things. Because then if you work on it together, or at least the person who's going to go into the business can lay it out. It gives you a structure to say, you know, that's not going to work, especially if there are children involved. That's not going to work. We can't really do this. How are we going to cover that? Um, I can't manage the children this much on my own. Are there certain uh, ways that we can get certain help? But, you know, once you lay it out and really see sort of a map, then you can sort of look at what is really going to be required. And if the spouse who is the supporting spouse feels that they can manage and if they can't manage what they're going to do to get um, outside help, whether it be family or babysitters or whatever, so that this whole project can be supported. Mm -hmm. and, and moreover, I would also say that when you see it laid out that way, even if your spouse has no professional expertise in whatever it is that you're interested in, at least they'll be a, be able to engage in the conversation of, oh, did you file your uh, – you know, your blah, blah, blah things with the county today. Or, you know, I know you were looking for a salesperson, you know, how's the search going? Mm -hmm. Because they know what that process is looking like, even if they have no idea how to get from point A to point B. Right. So at least there's a sense of I'm involved in this. Exactly. This is, I'm not being excluded. Right. Uh, so there will likely be some personal investment in a brand new startup. Um, you know, aside from the time investment, usually people will, you know, and it could be really small, mundane things, but it sometimes the cost can be even bigger. How can you prevent fights about money uh, when you when you launch into a new business? Well, again, I think it's a matter of having those numbers or at least some basic numbers doing your work beforehand and preparing for it. Now, again, it may be a little bit different. You know, it's almost like planning a wedding. You can plan a basic budget and um, you may go over it a little bit, but you should be able to sort of plan what you're expecting to spend on certain things and see if, in fact, you can do that. You can you can spend those monies. Um if you are not able to spend certain monies or if you are not able to um, be able to lose certain monies, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> then you really shouldn't be doing the project that you're doing. So again, um, I think that with proper planning and with proper discussion, um, it will cut down on you know the money fights because you will have made this decision together. And there will be an openness about what we're expecting, um, you know, to pay for. And do we have these monies or how are we going to, you know, to um, make this investment so that it's not going to cut into our ability to live, you know, or what things are we willing to give up? Um, but, you know, again, anytime there's good planning up front, then I do believe it's going to cut down on the fighting because you know what you're expecting. Yeah, and I think even when um, – even if things don't go as according to plan when you do those kind of plans, at least you come from a place of best intentions. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like you liquefied our college kid, uh, our kids' college fund right. to start this thing. Uh, this didn't work out. Um, so when you come up with a plan and it's like, oh, this this thing cost more than I thought it was going to. Uh, let we can have a new conversation or reassess it exactly as opposed to starting from scratch of exactly. what happened to this money. Yes. Yes, because that's where a sense of betrayal or lack of trust comes in. You know, this is what we allocated. And, okay, maybe you had to go over $100 or $200. But what do you mean you dipped into our 401k? You know, we never discussed that. So if you have a basic budget planned out, just like, you know, a business plan, you know, if it goes over a little bit, you talk to each other, whatever. But if it starts to look like it's really different, then it's time to have another conversation and say, you know, I wasn't aware of this or a certain expenses came up that I didn't think were going to come up. We need to look at if, if this is possible for us. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things I think about starting a business uh, or getting into a new hobby or, or when you, whenever you launch into some sort of new venture of, of some sort, you will create inevitably new relationships with new personalities in your life. Um, now, when you have a business uh, like this, um, a lot of the times you're going to be spending a lot of time with these new personalities. So I guess my question is, does your spouse have a say in who you bring aboard um, if it's making them uncomfortable uh, of of this new person and and it doesn't even have to be like a gender um, like an opposite gender type problem like they might think this is a bad person or their personality is inappropriate or whatever it just makes them uncomfortable like you're getting into a bad relationship with somebody else do they what, what is your thoughts on your spouse um, interjecting in that kind of a relationship? Well, again, in, in an ideal situation, though the person who is starting the business is the one who's basically, you know, the one who's running the business or is the one that is going to be putting in most of the blood, sweat and tears. In an ideal world, I would like to see this be something that you're sharing with your partner um, and talking about it. Um, So, Though I don't think that the spouse should have veto power necessarily, I do think that um, if they really feel strongly and they can explain why, um, you know, that, that that's important input um, and that that should be taken into consideration, whether it be, you know, the jealousy thing, uh, whether it be that, you know, uh, they have some knowledge that this person that you're considering bringing in is untrustworthy or, you know, not as knowledgeable as you think. Um, I think the input is important. Um, does this part, does a lot of this come back to the trust you have in your spouse? Because, you know, I know if my wife came to me and said, I don't trust that person, I would take that extremely serious because I know she has a good radar on her. Um, but I mean, does that, does that weigh into it? Like your, your, your spouse, well, like the- well, that's what I'm saying that you'd want like, okay, so, you know, tell me why, okay. tell me, tell me what information you have that makes you feel that way. So if it's someone, I, I just don't like this person. Okay. Well, you know, that may not be enough, but if you can say, you know, I have reason to believe and you talk it through, 
then you might say, okay, let me, you know, let me consider this. Let me really give some serious thought to this. And if you know that your mate, like you're saying that Jess has a very good radar, if you know that your mate has a good radar, then you might want to actually pay a lot more, um, you know, thought, give much, a lot more thought to what the person is saying. You know, my husband and I, I have, I can pick up somebody very quickly. I, I have very good radar also. And we now understand that whatever impression I have of somebody is generally right on. And eventually he gets to the same impression. It just takes him a lot longer. So he'll hesitate because he thinks I'm being a little blunt. I won't put it in somebody's face and say, oh, I want nothing to do with you. You're judgmental and you talk too much and you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, my husband will at least hear me and he might go a little bit slower and reacting. But as I said, like you were saying about Jess, I can pick up very quickly what the person's about. Mm -hmm. uh, now, moving moving on from that point the the spouse starting the business and we talked about this and you talked you mentioned this in the beginning about how they would the other one would have to pick up some of the slack uh, mm -hmm. whether that's you know picking up the kids from school or taking them to a, a practice or mm -hmm. whatever is it fair um is i mean is that a fair compromise to be had and if uh, it is. How can couples come to that happy agreement without resentment building in? Because it might seem okay in the beginning, you know, the first couple weeks, the first couple months, but this might be something that takes hold uh, over a much greater amount of time. Well, again, I think that if the person who's interested in starting a business sits down, has a conversation and says, look, you know, in order to really make this go, I'm going to have to be doing lots and lots of time here. And in part of your support for me, it's probably going to mean you picking up some of the other chores. Are you okay with that? You know, that's part of supporting me. It's also picking up, you know, some more of the slack on the other end. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you're right, you know, that that's going to get tiresome and um, perhaps feeling a bit of a burden. Um, and so what I would suggest is that the person who is starting up the business manage to be mindful, even though they're up to their eyeballs and <laughs> business going, of appreciating their partner. It really means a lot to me that you're helping me out. I know that at times this really gets difficult for you. You know, I, I so much... Um, I'm so grateful for everything that you're doing to help me with this. Um, you know, that's going to, that's going to weigh in a lot. If you at least remember to thank your partner for what they're doing to support you for you to be doing your part. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the, so the final thing, I mean, there are a million facets to this, I, I think. Uh, but one, the final point I wanted to hit on here is that there it's it's a major undertaking to do something like this, um, and there will likely be stress put upon your your individual self as well as the relationship. So, how can a couple make sure that the stress of starting a business doesn't bleed into the relationship? Oh, Steve, that's a tough one. You know, because having done what I did personally. It's really, really hard that, you know, when you got 
just one more, you know, article to write or just one more project to get through um, to really pull back and say, I need to be paying attention to my partner. Um, meanwhile, your partner's upstairs, let's say, watching TV and, you know, watching the half hour go, the hour go, the hour and a half go and feeling like, you know, OK, so that was Monday night and now it's Tuesday night and now it's Wednesday night. And, you know, what about me? Um and, you know, as hard as it is, it's really, really important to somehow factor in some time or some, you know, deciding to shut down at some point. I remember once being at a conference with, and now his name escapes me, but he's really, really big. And what he basically said is, you pour your heart and soul into your work six days a week, but on the seventh day, you you make the, your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I tried to do that. I just, you know, decided on the seventh day, I don't do any work at all. Um, because I think it's very, very seductive to start your work because there's always just one more thing to do. There's just another piece that has to get done. That is such a great, great point. Because you're right, there is always something to be done. Yes. Yeah. I. So, so if you structure it that way and say, okay, I'm going to work really hard six days of the week. But even God gave one day. <laughs> So on that one day, I don't work. That's my family day. And I think that if you do it that way... Um, and you you also lay it out that way with your mate, with your family. It it makes it doable. It makes it possible. Mm-hmm. I so uh, kind of tying this back into the beginning, my little beginning intro about my past uh, work experience at Entrepreneur. So I actually launched Hitched while I was working at Entrepreneur. And so I would go to work and then I would come home and then I would work on Hitched and building the website and the back end and the research and all this other stuff. And you're right. There's always something to do. And I remember having this conversation. So once Hitched was up and running, I was still at Entrepreneur at the time in the very beginning. And I would uh, do that job and then I would come home and do this job. And at a certain point, Jess uh, told me, you know what? Like you have to, you have to close your computer and sit with me and hang out with me because it's, it's all consuming. And I feel like we're not, um, having our time anymore. And it was like, all right, I need to like learn how to shut it down. So from that point on, I have, whenever she says it now, I mean, it, it, the computer goes shut and that's it. And I try to actually get it done uh, because I'm not trying to work multiple jobs and everything. I try to get it done in a, in a timely manner so that I'm not staying up super late. But it was very hard in the beginning because there's so much to be done. And mm. you, you know, I think anybody who tries to start a business is a, is an ambitious uh, person to, to take on such a task. And, and that kind of personality I think just wants to keep going because you can see progress I mean that's the thing there's so many things to be done and you can see little increments of progress um, and it's hard to shut it down Uh, so I think you're right I think establishing those rules of you know we need to rest at these times 
because it's not going anywhere. The work, this is one of the things that I really learned uh, over the years is there will always be things to do and it's not going to go anywhere and the world is not going to collapse <laughs> if it doesn't get done at uh, 1130 at night on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're going to wake up at five in the morning and nobody else cares that that wasn't done. <laughs> right. Um, and and also by shutting it down and establishing those boundaries, it has made it a lot easier that when there are major projects to be accomplished. And even now there are certain things and I'm a deadline driven person. When There are certain things that uh, will take me a lot longer and I always push my deadlines uh, that I might need to stay up late a couple nights or something along those lines. And it's a lot easier to do that without any kind of stress or pressure when I don't abuse that because that becomes the exception, not the norm. Are you talking about it's easier on your own body or it's easier to go to Jess and say to her, you know, you see that I do set my boundaries. This is a particular project that I need to push through a little bit. Uh, It's definitely, well, I mean, I think it's also, I mean, I definitely think it's easier on the body. Um, I'll, I just generally, I know there's tons of research out there on like how good sleep is for you, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I would say ultimately it's, it's much easier just going to Jess and saying, Hey, uh, I have this thing that's, you know, I'm going to launch on this date. So Mm -hmm. for these four or five days or whatever, um, I'm going to be working, uh, to get this done and I'm probably going to be up late those nights. Yes. And, and that makes it all so much easier. And she doesn't even question it at that point because she knows that I that I will stick to my guns outside of that one project. Yes. Yeah, so the question was, how do you stop stress from bleeding into your relationship? And I think it's twofold. One is to set your boundaries. And the second is that when you're going into stressful periods, to let your mate know that so that they can anticipate it and then again, not let it just go on and on and on. But then when it's over, go back to your boundaried uh, way of dealing with your business. Yeah. So if you, if anybody out there listening, um, and I'm sure there are people who have started their own business uh, of some sort or their spouse has, and you have any tips or recommendations or pitfalls that you came across, uh, we would love to hear from you and let us know uh, how you overcame those or what you did um, to, yeah, to, to navigate the process, because I think the more we can help each other, the better this can be. Uh, so I want to thank you, Karen, for your help on this topic today. Thank you. So that is going to do it for us this week. I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, and you can find her information at drkarensherman.com. Again, she is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen's new audio video tool uh, project is uh, called Pillars for Partnership, and you can get that at her website. Uh, She is also the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Again... Her website is drkarensherman.com. And of course, you can find this information at our website, pitchedmag.com, along with past articles from Karen, as well as all the uh, podcasts that we have done together. Um, We have done, uh, we're 300 plus, probably 350, 375-ish by now. 
Um, I, d I don't even know the number these days, uh, but it's a lot. So if you have a question, there's a good likelihood that we might have talked at least in some facet on the topic before. So be sure to check out the archives. And of course, depending on how you're listening to this, you can also subscribe uh, for free on iTunes or Stitcher, and those apps are awesome because they will automatically download the latest uh, episode when they're up on our website, so be sure to do that if you haven't already. And uh, lastly, if you have any thoughts or comments, um, we've received some pretty great ones recently. Uh, I want to first thank you for those, but if you have any other thoughts and comments, please be sure to leave them because that will also help others. Uh, judge whether or not they should, they should even listen to this podcast before they've hit the play button. So we thank you in advance for that. So with that said, one last time, Karen, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. All right. That's going to do it for us this week, everybody. Take care. The world is ours tonight. The world is ours tonight.